0: everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk number 383, uh, recording live and direct on SonicTalk.com slash live. Remember, if if this is the first time you've ever seen it, we put this on YouTube as well, so you should subscribe, because then you'll know when we do more stuff because we've got lots of reviews. In fact, I published the Waldorf Strike Strikefet String Machine review today as well. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Anyway, I also want to say thank you very much to Tape for sponsoring the show. We've got the results of the Ozone 6 competition from last week and they're going to give it away yet another copy. Stay tuned for the results and the competition. But in the meantime, we're going to go into our guests. Uh, we've got a very special guest this week and I'm going to introduce him last because I suspect it will lead on to uh, all sorts of interesting discussions. So we'll start in... Um, in reverse geographical order i think is perhaps the way to do it and we're going to start here with uh, mr rich hilton who's furthest away geographically but uh very Re- close to reverse, our hearts first <laughs> geographical
1: order makes me want to turn around in my chair really
0: i suppose you could i <laughs> oh, better check me hold on just, hold on, just so how Gee, are you rich reverse. i'm good thank you i'm very, very good i'm very glad to hear that mate yeah, so thanks, uh rich hilton of course uh chic band member and uh no, oh, Roger, studio guy. So uh, you've not been on the road so much uh, in the last week then, perhaps, or am I fibbing? few weeks,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're home for about a month, and then uh, it's a quick private show in Germany in early December, and then New Year's in Dubai oh. on, a, on a rather impressive list of R&B artists.
0: Wow, that sounds like, is it one of those kind of... Including,
1: including the Jacksons and Shaka Khan and Kathy Sledge and... I don't know who I'm forgetting, but it's a big show.
0: That sounds like great fun. Nice. And it, that sounds like a long way to go to play New Year's. <laughs> yeah, it does too. But I'm guessing they might take care of you in Dubai if it's got anything, If the Sultan's got anything to do with it, I'm sure. Oh,
1: I, I, maybe you're confusing it with the Sultan of Brunei. Oh, but, uh, uh, yes, we're always very well taken care of. Excellent. And uh, we were well, very well taken care of last
0: time we were in Dubai, so I have no worries about any of that. Ah, uh, excellent. Well, I've never been myself, uh, maybe one day. But thank you very much for joining us this week. Anyway, Rich. And um, next, well, no, actually, I'm going the wrong way around. Actually, I'm going to go to Mark Tinley. Mark Tinley, uh, creative thinker. Hello. Sound artist. And um, perhaps looking, looking quite Guy Fawkes today. I am. I'm afraid I've just gone into a spin
2: cycle, so I'll just say hello quickly and then <laughs> Ah what, well, that's your washing machine. It is, yeah. I could pretend it's a really interesting sample of something that I'm making, but you know, <laughs>
0: Yeah, when it's finished, it you play it to us. Anyway, well thank you very much for joining us, Mark. And uh and now we've got onto our last guest, uh, who is adamski adamski official um you may not know is actually related to mark as well you know i don't know if you can tell the family resemblance uh, you're looking very good there that's a very sort of atmospheric uh, room you've got there nice light how are you adam
3: i'm good thanks
0: excellent well adamski of course uh you know we know of your past you've you've been through the whole kind of pop mill in the past and done that whole sort of uh, international touring electronic pop music act kind of stuff and now your new project is uh it's very different what, what what how would you how would you describe it in your own words
3: well i wouldn't say it's so much a project as my life ah because all i do is make music um uh as a pastime and as a, as a livelihood and i make everything in 3/4 time now it's not really a project it's not like oh i'm doing this sideline in 3/4 beats it's like all my music is in 3/4 in fact some of it is in 6/8 i'm told by people that actually went to college <laughs> and stuff like that. but if if it's waltzable basically um that's what i'm doing that's really- but with with contemporary sound. That's
0: really interesting because, I mean, this whole... Um, um uh, you being on the show kind of came back because I found a uh, a, a topic uh, that, which is on attack magazine, which was kind of, it was called bored with four, four, you know what other time signatures can work. And it was very, uh, and, and that was the sort of beginning point of the discussion. The fact that then, you know, your stuff, uh, which is future waltz. Is that the sort of name of the, 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 uh, the album or the genre? I mean, how are you describing um, it? I'm,
3: well, I'm calling my label future waltz. Uh, I also call it three step what I'm doing because Younger people don't really know what waltz is. Um,
0: they're probably uh, thinking, yeah, strictly ballroom kind of stuff, which is or, perhaps. Not- or
3: they don't even they. If they don't watch that, they've never even heard the word. I mean, the, the, I've been working with like pe- you know people in their late teens, early twenties, and they're like, "What? The, what's that?" So and, and then I, I say three step, and that just makes sense to everybody. If
0: you know. Yeah. I, th- I guess so. so what was it that kind of um well actually let's just take a quick listen because i think that's probably the first one just so that we can kind of get a, a, an idea of this because i mean i'm really interested in exploring the the route to threes so this is um a track from you've got a fourth uh, an ep that's coming out in february did you say no
3: on the first of december first of
0: december oh right so real soon In
3: february, i've got a bigger thing coming out which is like a a, a a uh, wooden Viennese cake box with 10 10-inch 10 vinyls Oh wow in it with loads of different collaborators. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what, why I ended up <laughs> with that <laughs> concept, but, um, but uh, well, the Viennese thing is the, the waltz connection. The uh, uh, cake box looks nicer than, uh, and, than anything that the people that make uh, no, normal marketing sure. for um, music looks and um but no yeah first of december i'm releasing this ep right with, uh,
0: yeah i see that there's uh, a five track listing the last waltz which is uh featuring McCarmont, which is uh uh i'm trying to remember i i do I, I, he did something with uh McCalmont and butler wasn't it that's was perhaps when we yeah, first that, heard of him
3: yeah that's right yeah uh, well he was in a indie band called thieves but he he he's an amazing soul singer, maybe the best British soul singer there is. Um, so uh, it's a cover version of a song that was made uh, that was famous in the year that both David and I were born, 1967. And I like numbers. That's why I've got ten 10-inch vinyls. Ah, okay. And,
0: so it all That's has funny. to it, it sort of ties together that way let's take a yeah. blast of uh, the track 2 I think was the, it was called Detonate My Love which is featuring Harmony if I play a little bit mm-hmm. of this then you kind of get the idea of where the 3's are going Not going to play the whole thing because I think that's something that should, people should perhaps uh, look forward to on the final release. But or even buy it. Or, yeah, well, but of course. Keep yeah.
3: my fridge. Keep my fridge up to.
0: <laughs> keep the get keep the bills paid. I'm really interested, though. You know what drew you towards threes? Because I mean, you know, you you are you know one of the kind of icons of dance and electronic, the four on the floor, the the rave scene being through all that, which is just very much, it's actually quite conservative in the restrictions that it places on the way that music is made. I mean, what took you there?
3: Yeah, there's very, very few electronic tracks in um, three, four. I've really, really researched it. Um, But traditionally, like, you know, in pop and soul and R&B and rock and roll, there is more. But yeah, since music's become much more electronic in the last couple of decades, people just don't do that. And it wasn't like I was think trying to think of something like, oh, what can I do that's different. I just I actually, um, one of my daughters was living in Venezuela because her mum's Venezuelan, and they were there for a bit, and I was um, there a lot, and uh, the indigenous folk music's in three, four. And I just kept hearing these really nice grooves. Very groovy, gro- yeah, I'd imagine. Uh, you know, Latin, not like sort of pompous European grand um, orchestral stuff, which I like too, but it, it's not so sexy as the way they do it in Latin America. And, um, and then I was just, but then I've, I, I've, yeah, I just was tinkering about on my laptop during a tropical storm, <laughs> non non beach day, and uh, and just sort of trying to emulate these bass lines and stuff that up because the, the the instrumentation of the indigenous music is kind of it's always the same. It's this little uh, ukulele thing called a cuatro, uh-huh. uh, and it's in and it just gets a bit irritating after like you know.
0: Three, uh, every three weeks yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can so, imagine um,
3: and then I and then I just I just started to enjoy working in that time signature so much I started to just research its origins um, and uh, just the more I kind of found out about the formulation of that in in Europe in in uh, the 18th century or before that and how it all came around and the waltz and how the waltz spread around the world at the turn of um, <coughs> the 19th century um, and blah, blah. Well, uh, I, just, what's, uh, what's, I just what's, found it what, fascinating and inspiring.
0: What's interesting to me is the fact that, you know, it, uh, um, we are so used to the whole four four thing. I mean, in rich, you know, from from your point, you know, the dis, you know, you work with kind of one of the icons of disco. It's very much a four four thing. You might get a bit of six eight in there, possibly, but I mean, are that? I mean, there there isn't much of a history of deviating from that, apart from maybe the phrasing. But it actually the three four thing has been into has been very. Uh, like like adam was saying you know it, it was a huge big deal you know back at the turn of the 18th century you know and the, and the whole viennese waltz kind of thing it was, it was the meter that everybody used to dance to
1: well yeah everything you've said is true except that niall and i are both classically trained and we've both done movie score ah. work so there, yeah, right. we've worked in all kinds of time signatures and a lot of time American signatures was, don't phase a, us at all
3: sorry yeah sorry Interrupt. I, I do notice no. a lot of American incidental music is in three four. Actually, but like, I, and I really enjoy like soundtracks uh-huh. m- more than the movies themselves, oftentimes. And and well, yeah. no
1: doubt, dance music outside of the area of waltz popularization that you guys have already talked about has been taking place mostly in a four four kind of an environment. However, in the last Oh, I'd say 20 or 30 years. Um, As relates to that, compound meters have become a little bit more well accepted also in the marching band community where obviously you have 100 people moving at the same time to a particular meter that may or may not be changing at any given Mm. time. But I mean, just to break it down to the very basics of rhythm, you've got twos and you've got
0: threes. That's kind of Mm. it. I guess so. And Mm.
1: then everything that descends from that. So if you have seven, you've got a pair of twos and a three. If you've Mm -hmm. got five, you've got a two and a three. If you've got four, four, you've got a pair of twos. If you've got six something, you've got a pair of threes. If you've got 11, you've got a five and a six. That's probably broken down three, 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 and two. So mm-hmm. there's only so many different ways to break it down. And people can be brought to dance to almost any of them, although the h- higher number of compound signatures tend to be a little more confusing. But when you have fives and sevens, it the beat sort of turns around with every pair of iterations anyway. So some mm-hmm. people have been very successful in creating dance environments with uh, prime number. Tempos like five and seven, because uh, they, like I say, they turn around each alternate time. One uh, good example is the band Magma from France uh, in the 70s, but, which was not dance music, but still had a very strong pulse. So if we take the fences down about making this about dance music, compound meters have been around mm, forever sure. and, or for a very long time, and it's all down to twos and threes.
0: I'd agree with that. I mean, I think, Adam, I mean, I guess one of the things is, is, uh, you know, the, the, the club scene, uh, you know, for all its free uh, rave and what have you, it, the, the whole idea of it breaking out from the standards of society, or whatever, are probably a fairly conservative bunch. I mean, how have they been going? How, how do you find, find that they are dealing with the, the three, four side of things?
3: Well, I get less bookings when I point-blank refuse to go and do, like, golden oldies sets. (laughs) Right. So I say I'm only going to play in 3-4, and it's been hard to get an agent. But I have played... uh, uh, I've stuck to my guns, and I've played at sort of quite a cross-section of things, like very druggy raves up north and in the Midlands and... Very fashiony sort of parties in Paris and Moscow, and then kind of pubs with like middle aged regular pub going to, and it kind of really people really dance to it. And it's um, and it's Glastonbury, just not as... you were at
2: Glastonbury this year, weren't
0: you? Oh, did you oh, yeah. play Glastonbury too? Yeah, 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 awesome.
3: It was a bit of a come down. Last time I played there was like 25 years ago on the main stage. And he did this. He did my sound, for Mark. Yeah, and we and, and we, oh, yeah. we were in paper for bra- breaking the uh, the sonic
0: uh, you, limit. You went over. Uh, you went over the decibel limit, did you?
3: Yeah, yeah. That was thanks only to by my, one dB. Oh. My is there a film of run. Mark being let one off DB in handcuffs?
2: It into the local <laughs> I, was, I remember that I was your key tech and your sound guy, and something was happening with your keyboard, and I had to run from the sound desk. <laughs> Through all these people, go on the Pyramid stage, this mend this thing, and then get back to the sound desk. And I'm sure it went over while I wasn't, like... Ah, you know, like, yeah. oh,
0: I was. I, I, I was wasn't there, my Your honour, honour, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was circumstance.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I brought the wrong floppy disk and loaded, like, the wrong music. And obviously there's no sound check. Anyway, that was back in the days when I was on the big stage. And this year was, like slightly low key but um i mean i just i like making groups of people dance whatever their number i mean i think
0: well so i mean it's, no, it sounds like from what you're saying you're being very uh very specific about the threes you know if you're not going to work in any other thing i mean what is it that's why why are you being so specific about it do you think we need to kind of break out of the four four what's the sort of for, in terms of you know the, your, your regular kind of club sets or whatever what's the motivation for that
3: Um, I'm just kind of stubborn and a bit OCD (laughs) or something. And, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a kind of proto-techno track, Throbbing Gristle, Hot on the Heels of Love, and that's in 3-4. And, and, I mean, I think that track must have been like hugely influential on thousands of, dj producer types that went on to just only make beats with four four but right. um, it it i mean i just i just i don't know what i just because it's just become my world you know just um I've, I've i've i get into this different state of mind when i'm making the music and i like it and whether i'm listening or dancing it's like it's a sort of parallel universe of sound music or something
0: i mean do you think there are different creative uh, paths that one takes because i mean when we when we write you know and we're jamming and we're working in the usual you know we tend to have muscle memory and go to the places that generally make us comfortable that aren't going to challenge us so much to get us started perhaps and do you think that you know the fact that if you change the if you give yourself a challenge like this, then you're going to end, you end up going into different areas than you would ordinarily, even with the same technology. Mm.
3: Well, I started, I mean, I remixed, um, seals kiss from a rose in the nineties. And, and that was in three, four, actually seal. Yeah. Loves. Um, um, I'm sort of the person that discovered that singer. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm the Sid Barrett to Seal's pink floyd. <laughs> and, uh, and uh I mean I I've so uh, I don't know why because I'm not a trained musician and uh, you know I I just I just been drawn into that for some reason and uh, No uh, oh,
0: no it's I, like a calling. You
3: know, I've been making it for 5 years this what I started off calling neo waltz then F- future waltz then three step and 2 years ago I just decided right that's it I'm going to draw a line now and not and and not play any more DJ gigs where so I just basically um Took a sort of leap of faith that it kind of closed one door and another one opens. Attitude: Mm. Uh, I'm only going to do this because this is what I'm getting off on. And I mean, if if, I'm sure, if I'm the, you know, if I'm making music and I'm enjoying it much more myself, that then that translates to the listener or the dancer as well.
0: Yeah, I, I, mean, I can I can understand that. So, I mean, the other thing that I was interested in is, you know, generally speaking, you know, in terms of, I, I know that a lot of DAWs and um, most, you know, a lot of sequencers also have, you know, ha- they have six eight, they have alternative times, temp- uh, time signatures, but not everything is geared towards working in that environment. Are there any kind of technical challenges to to to, to working exclusively in an alternative tempo? Do things always work as you would hope?
3: Um yeah they pretty much do. I mean logic goes in three four and that's the the only software I use um, and um uh, my old sequences that I used in the late eighties that rave scene um, which kind of launched my career um they they go into three four. That's the Ensonic
0: stuff, right? That, the, 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 yeah, you're, you're yeah. famously a kind of pure, purely Ensonic guy.
3: At yeah. the time, well, I, I was then. Yeah, that's what it was at Glastonbury that I'd had the wrong floppy disk. <laughs> I'd been rehearsing for two days, and then I just loaded the wrong floppy disk because I used to just do sort of live mix downs, and I I, I was um, I went on stage with um. So I got. I picked an M- MC who was a guy that I'd met a week before, went past the backstage on a motorbike. Uh, and I said, do you want to come an MC for me? This was like the Pyramid stage at Glastonbury. And he was like, yeah, all right. And he was a really kind of gregarious, outgoing. <laughs> and I'm just really pleased because I think people, you know, uh, it was the music I hadn't expected to play. It was like that spontaneous. Oh, and he said, I'll only do it if my mate can come on and play bongos. <laughs> As well. I was like, all right then. That's a hell of a rider. <laughs> and um <laughs> and uh yeah that was that that end sonic and 909 just used to just just sound ridiculous through like the raves like just got a b- big size, games. yeah. Yeah the sound systems they were you know setting up sound systems for like motorhead or pink floyd or whatever during you know then then they were these guys were like starting to do the sound for those big warehouse and, right that
0: was, you know because turbo sound kind of came out of that whole thing didn't it really country countryside raids yeah. and the M, the m25
3: yeah and um and it was just like i would just plug my gear directly into the dj mixer and it it just sounded just ridiculous um Lee, uh fat
0: right excellent um, um rich in terms of you know when when i mean going back to the kind of notion of working in these alternatives do you think that that we i, I know you're saying that, that it's not uncommon but in terms of as a listening audience it's it is harder to push that say, if, for instance, you know, you were uh, um, commissioned to do a remix of a track that was, you know, maybe could be stretched into sixes or threes or whatever. I mean, one ten one wouldn't tend to go in that direction because you know it, it, it's more difficult. It, 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 it's a more difficult approach. Do you think it's we're kind of st- constricted by the conservatives of our own uh, our own creative parameters as well, or do you think you know we should be pushing the boundaries a bit more? Bit of bravery. Both. 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 <laughs> I observe that people are constrained
1: by the fact that their devices default to 4 4, and perhaps that so many people have been brought up over so many years hearing almost nothing but 4 4, that that to them is rhythm. But um I also think the second part of your premise, which is that we should be stretching more into other things. And as regards whether it's more difficult. On a dance floor, I'm not your resident dance floor expert here, but I think when done well and done smoothly, people don't even realize that they're dancing to seven or whatever. They were right. They I don't. don't. They don't. The they thing don't thing,
3: know uh, before.
1: Sorry, Mark. They shouldn't. They shouldn't feel. It shouldn't no, feel saying, like I think when it's done, a motorized when it's done. deal. Yeah.
2: Sorry, Mark. When it's done well, you just don't know that it's in a different time signature. And one of my favorite bands is Led Zeppelin. There's loads of weird time signatures in there, which I just wouldn't notice. If I didn't sit and actually try and play those parts on the guitar, then when you try and play it, you're like, oh, oh, hang on a minute. What happened? It's turned around in a really weird place. And um, Warren Cucurulo is one of my favorite people for turning things around in weird places. I mean, working with Duran and trying to put things on the grid in logic and ch- having to change the time signature all the time uh, was a challenge because I only think in very simple mathematical terms, I suppose. Right. <clears throat> so um, so he was always like turning things around with, like one beat at the end of a bridge or something. You're, like, this has <coughs> thrown out my whole making music in patterns and putting them together as patterns kind of idea. And I had to sort of nudge things along the timeline or work out a way of doing it before we were doing things on a sequencer with a timeline. But I think I was using opcode vision and that's all pattern based. So I'd have to write little tiny patterns in. Just to fill us To fill the resolve right. But, I see what you're saying. But so if it's done, and I, I went to Adam's evening in Hackney and that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And a young woman called Orange Carriero, is that her name, taught me how to dance, how to actually waltz properly. Brilliant.
0: That's excellent. I loved it. Um, I've got to um, have a short commercial interlude. I don't know, um, Adam, if you're uh, able to stick around. And uh, uh, I wanted to discuss a little bit further about collaborative aspects and working with people as well. Is is that going to be okay with you?
3: Yeah, I'm just, I'm here in my bedroom.
0: Okay. Smoking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, well, sure. I'm just going to hit the, hit the uh, add button, and then we'll be back in a sec.
3: Okay.
0: Of course, our sponsors are Isotope, and in fact, one of the big product. things that they've just announced Isotopes is Ozone an 6, massively influential platform. in the, mas- in the marketing, in the mastering world.
1: Ozone has all the essential I'll let it.
0: I'll let Matt take it, take it away from here.
1: Exciter, Stereo Imager, Post Equalizer, Maximizer, and Dithering. Try Ozone Six for yourself. Download the free 10-day trial at Isotope.com.
0: Right. Well, uh, as we know, every week we also run a competition with uh, Isotope, and we have a winner from last week. Uh, I'm just going to bring that up now. The winner is, in fact, uh, a chap called Graham Heiner, who is at State of Head, his Twitter handle, at State of Head. And he uh, posted, and we picked him out as a winner with the random number selector. And he said, look forward to some tasty mastering. Thanks, Nick, for the show, and Ice stopped for the giveaways. So... Please do get in touch, Graham Heiner at State of Head. You have won a copy of Ozone 6, and the Isotope Fairy will bestow it upon you when you uh, supply me with an email address so I can pass it on to her. And of course, we've also got another competition this week. Uh, I believe there's a big release coming from uh, uh, Isotope tomorrow, so there may be something else uh, different tomorrow, but... The competition this week is, again, for a copy of Isotone 6, Iso- Isotope 6. And what you have to do, you have to be on Twitter. You have to send out the hashtag. Well, basically, if you tweet this, the hashtag Smarter Mixed Decisions to at Isotope Inc. and at Sonic then that will enter you the competition. But don't just do that. Why don't you... Uh, attach a comment as well because uh, it always gives us a little bit extra because we know that they read it and I read it and it's always uh, nice to see what you're thinking about the show. Drop any feedback in there. Tell me how great I am or, you know, or or not at the case. All good stuff. So once again, what you have to do is tweet out the hashtag smarter mix decisions at SonicNick at isotope inc and uh, do check out isotope Izo- ozone 6 even if you haven't already got it or you th- you think you're going to win it's well worth it you get a 10-day free demo and it really is kind of one of the most interesting and fully featured creative mar- marketing creative mastering plugins there i got it out in the end crikey that was that was a bit of a struggle ah there we go mark <laughs> <laughs> back again oh i've switched i'll switch those back on again so um one of the things i was interested in also uh perhaps exploring is you know it's fine if you're going to inhabit a particular time signature world but a lot of your tracks are based on collaborations with other artists yeah and how i mean how are they responding to it do they find it kind of particularly challenging to work in that way or does it kind of how does that
3: well fun I've, I work with a lot of rappers and oh. some of them just can't do it. And I just I sort of, I just think how musical are people. Some people just get it straight away. You know, sometimes I, I write a song for someone to sing and other times they come up with the song. And I'd, I mean, I did a couple of tracks with Lee Perry, I, I mentioned earlier before we started the show, and um he got it straight away and he was like going, I'm the king of the waltz and <laughs> I'm like <laughs> he was just great and totally on the on the rhythm. Um and uh he's like this legendary. Yeah, producer. yeah, absolutely.
0: Lee Scratch Perry. Um, he's the, the, yeah, isn't he? What the sort of the king of dub almost, isn't he?
3: Yeah, he and he doesn't so much produce now, um he just he has just done um, something where he was more involved in the production i think right. um with someone in london but i mean he was just he was just kind of chatting freestyling lyrics on my music and um yeah, it, was, yeah, it was one of the best days i've ever had actually right. in his house in the, in the swiss alps
0: wow that sounds I, awesome
3: i like that because it's really waltzy. i wore <laughs> lederhosen <laughs> Up there to his house <laughs> and he wore a yellow yellow afro wig a purple beard and um a kind of red track suit and and he the first thing he said to me was your clothes is ugly <laughs> and i thought "Well, that's rich coming well, from a man-
0: lives in lives in the alps yeah
3: <laughs> but um yeah oh that's awesome uh, so yeah and um i mean David McCallman, you know, the, the, the thing we're releasing in a couple of weeks, that's a cover version, but we also wrote stuff together. We, he got into it straight away. I mean, I seem to just be crossing paths with the right people at the right time who um, are just getting into it. And then, I mean, just pop music in the 80s there was just you know the stranglers golden brown and kate bush army dreamers and yeah. you know people that are a little bit older and remember that stuff um
0: Actually, when you you think about it, there are a couple of, because there was uh, that Gabriel track, Don't Give Up, was in three, I think, as well, wasn't it? There was quite, there there are, I think there are kind of moments, aren't there, where you just, something Mm. will stand out because it's so different. And if it's done in a kind of intelligent way and isn't, isn't, you know, just purely odd, it just happens to, it has a beautiful lyric. I mean, threes are very, there's a sort of inherent rhythm to them that has a sort of movement Mm. that is different to just the regular Mm. phrasing that you would get.
3: The artful dodger too the the producers that did um really well in the late nineties with that speed garage right. two step stuff they did a track in three four two um that that's amazing and I and mean, it's just i don't know it's sort of like another level of music making i
0: suppose so I mean. yeah it does ex- it's going to exercise muscles that you perhaps uh one isn't used to exercising and stretch you in that way so I'm, I'm curious also what sort of techn- you say you're working in logic what kind of a, is that your kind of writing setup and what is your when you go to to, to work on stuff i mean what is your what does your setup entail these days
3: um well i've got i've kind of accumulated lots of nice vintage synths ah. which, I, which i use but not only um like um Right now, I've got my I've got my setup in my bedroom um, because I just kind of like working, standing up in my bedroom at the moment. Um, I, I kind of uh, think I just realised the other day that my most successful music that I made years ago, I was always standing up when I was making it and it does make sense to
0: be standing up when you're making music get, to dance. Yeah, I suppose different kind of energy as well.
3: And I, I had, because um, I, I used to have like the N-Sonic and the 909 set up on keyboard stands. So I, it was just, I wouldn't think of sitting down because I'd be too low down. right? And then I, I had some waltz lessons. So whether it's in 3, 4 or 6, 8, whatever, if it's like, if I can do the fundamental waltz steps to it, it, it it's working for me. But, yeah, you were asking me more about gear and stuff. I mean, I've got a real piano downstairs. Sometimes I wake up and work out with a melody idea and work it out on the piano. Sometimes I have a melody idea and I'm just walking down the street and I rush home and I just pick the first soft synth at random and and... And, and play it in, you know Just to get
0: the idea down, right.
3: Yeah. And then I, I I cut I cut cut beats up, you know, usually if you cut the fourth beat off and plonk it on the third beat. Right. It 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 like on a break beat or something, for example, it um it usually just works. I dunno, it just all seems to kind of work.
0: Oh, interesting. And uh, there, there's quite a lot of... I mean, you were talking about working with uh, Lee Scratch Prey. There's quite a lot of similarities in the kind of the spinning, the, the, the triplet feel and the double tempo, the half tempo, the sort of the dub side and also the dub step kind of feel. Well, you've got a half speed and a, and a double speed kind of thing. I guess you use that quite a lot as well, right? Mm,
3: yeah. But it, nothing, nothing like... I don't really think hard about what I'm going to do. I, everything I do is just... Messing around and experimenting i'm not really thinking right now i've got to i've got to put this half it's all really done by intuition and just
0: and feel right
3: yeah and yeah exploring um but um so i don't have a formula You've got that
2: anything. adam's got this kind of uh amazing voodoo that happens around him and electronics. I remember going around his house and he was doing a remix of something and he'd got the record that he was remixing on an SL 1200 and he said, what do you think of this? And he switched on the SQ80 and the 909, put the record on and the whole thing played in sync for about five minutes. And I was like going, how are you keeping those two things in time? And they just kind of stayed in time. It's like this kind of, there's a magic that happens (laughs) somehow. I, I would have been there for years trying to get the Simpty code to connect to the whatever or whatever. And it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of a, a luck that you have. Adam. A
0: built-in Bluetooth MIDI sync.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I had that, I don't know. That, that,
3: that, um, a Roland System 100 that I, I'd swapped all my old 90s gear for, like Akai's and all these t- uh atari and everything i swapped all my gear when i i was living in italy and i was leaving and i went to sell all my gear in in a music shop and uh i saw this system 100 and uh the roland i think it's from 1975 or 6 and um beautiful thing yeah and i thought i right i want that and I just swapped all my gear for that, <laughs> and, and and my girlfriend at the time was it was a bit like Jack and the Beanstalk, like he went and swapped the family cow for some beans. <laughs> <laughs> she was like oh, yeah. dusty old gray thing, you know. But um, I for age it for about two years, I didn't have a CV to MIDI converter thing.
0: Right, so you- like.
3: So I was I was I was kind of using the sequencer from the the system one hundred and kind of dropping it in, trying to get it in time, like like a DJ with decks, and I suppose it give giving, giving everything, making things ten times more difficult for myself because then you know it would be constantly going out of time, but. When I got it in, it would just it would just
0: happen. stay, right. That's interesting.
3: A world of... Um, it just wouldn't be so clinical as kind of sitting there methodically programming all the notes in, you know.
0: Okay, um, well, uh, what I'm going to do is I just want to introduce another topic here because we've got... Um, the, the, and this may well be applied to the way that you work as well. I'd be interested to see how you feel about this sort of thing. So if I'm just going to... I'll just spin this in quickly and then we can... Uh, have a look. This was something I shot at uh, the recent Music Expo. Hello, this is, this uh, is Henrik from SoftTube.
4: Production Expo in London, and I would like to present to you our Console One system. There it is. It's part hardware and part software. It's an integrated hardware and software mixer. You use it together with your DAW. So if I'm sh- shut the, uh the software window, you will see that I have, uh, I'm have. i using Pro Tools, uh, but it works just as well with any major DAW. Logic, Ableton Live, Cubase, Nuendo, Presona Studio One, on Mac, on PC as well. The way you use it is that you insert the plugin called Console One on all tracks of your DAW, and that routes the sound over to the Console One system. So what you see down here is the meter bridge, for the console one you see 20 tracks at the time if you have larger sessions there is a button on the hardware called page up you can simply push that a couple of times and you can see so
0: i'm just going to summarize that briefly i don't know if you've been aware of this um but basically it's like a kind of channel strip dedicated channel strip hardware so that you can work on the eq the dynamics and that that side of things on a per channel basis in dedicated hardware it's fixed that i know rich have you seen um or use any of the soft tube stuff because this looks like a really interesting way because i'm still i'm thinking that you know modular controllers is the way to go rather than one big one to do everything
1: um i have worked with some soft tube um software and was very impressed by the quality of their work by the sound by the way it felt to use it and this exists in a class of products that now i find very interesting that is sort of taking a famous console paradigm and overlaying it on top of anybody's DAW. And the first one I remember hearing about was a Harrison product a few years back that was specific to certain softwares. But now, of course, we've got Steven Slate's products, and we've got now this product, and uh, UA has a mixer that overlays on top of your DAW that you can use if you want, and Motu actually even has one. And uh, it's an interesting class of products because... It presumes that you're somehow dissatisfied with the mixing environment you've been provided and that this will actually benefit your world in some profound way. And then add to that, in this case, the dedicated hardware controller, not unlike that um, Imposter 2 thing that's sitting behind me right now, where you've got a very specifically set of knobs and buttons describing the software that it's going to be used to control in every instance without change. And... Uh, it's a very interesting product to me. I'd like to hear them show me why my life is going to be a lot better <laughs> listening through that thing. I'm serious. Right. I. I don't. I. It's sort of a gauntlet I'm throwing down. I'd really would like them to show me how much better it's going to be.
0: I think that the 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 notion. That, I mean, apart from the actual, you know, you get two. Uh, that currently, they're doing SSL uh, channels. There's a four. It comes with a four thousand e, and they've just produced. Uh, XL9000 which I'm not familiar with but supposed to be kind of a very different way of working but the notion that it could be you know perhaps a cl- class, classic British console uh, channel strip or you know an American AMEC or whatever is also the notion but the, the the idea that you've got oh is that the A he was talking about yeah. I was trying to figure out what American A was AMEC yeah that I think I so uh, which again it's was
1: also like you've sort of directed design because he did mention at the end of the video that they want to emulate probably Neve and you know I guess it's AMEC now Um, so they're going to do other consoles
0: yeah I mean I think the idea primarily is the notion that there would be a uh, that you've got a dedicated control for that specific function which is again you know it's it's we've always been looking at you know controllers are generally very generic and as a result just don't generally fit your workflow so you're always going yeah i love the idea of this but then when it comes down to it it's like oh i can just use the mouse you know and that so in many ways it, this is a, a quite a bold move because it's not a cheap product i think it's about 7 well distills
1: a lot of things that have happened in the past. For yeah. example, Sony Oxford, Sony Oxford was the first one I'm aware of that centralized the controls for all of the dynamics and EQs in such a way that you basically would select a channel and that those things would now light up that channel and you'd be able to yeah. alter them for that channel. So you were always yeah, using yeah, yeah. the same set. Of course that was a $200,000 console <laughs> with a lot of faders on it. And this is something that sits next to your keyboard on your desk. But um it's same sort of principle and it also takes like sort of that fader port paradigm that people have used where you've got like one knob, a couple of buttons and a fader, and you use that to control your DAW. It it combines a lot of existing conceptual ideas into one new sort of, like I say, if they can show how this console
0: makes your life sound better, then they might have something. work or work better i suppose i know adam do you do a lot of mixing yourself i mean is this the sort of thing that is is part of your world or does the mix kind of tend to go out to you know you get someone else to look at the final mix so how does it work i
3: I get a guy to come around my house who who like analyzes frequencies and things that I, i mix everything myself but i get someone just to come and uh make sure i haven't got those like clashing frequencies that cancel each other out right technical things i don't really understand so the mix sounds pretty much as it was as i've done it but he's just made a bit more space for when it's mastered or whatever
0: um so do controllers like this like live have a place in your setup or are you very much kind of through the window of the laptop or the the the, the, the the computer
3: I'm just pretty much I'm quite happy on the laptop because then I can just carry on I I don't I live outside of London and I'm often going in and out of town I can just be working on a mix and carry on mixing on the train I use one of those VRM you know studio oh is that the um,
0: Focusrite thing yeah the headphone right. with,
3: with headphones so you know I can't be really lugging loads of gear on the train you know um okay uh, so so i just yeah and, I, and I, I like i like to check a mix on these like 13 quid from camden market speakers i've got in my bedroom and kitchen and then i've got some nice genelex big speakers downstairs but i just kind of think you know and I really like listening back to things on my phone because that's how most people are going to hear them or on a nice sound system, very, very loud in the club. Yeah. Um, my friend's got a club around the corner and some of the things I've done recently, I would go around with a really, really good sound system and i go and just set up my gear in the middle of the club when it's not open. I mean, it's more a live venue. Well, um, oh, that's a
0: great way yeah. to check those. You know, do you understand yeah, what's going yeah. on, then, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, because you you can you know, and then come back and check it at home again through the little cheap speakers, and then send myself an MP3 and listen to it on the phone.
0: And just... but not so much in the kind of contro- the world of controllers. That's interesting, Mark. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the idea of, uh, uh, of you know? Because essentially, what Rich was saying, it is almost like they're emulating what most digital consoles are doing, which is, you know, the, the, the fat channel, effectively, or the live channel strip? Um, oh,
2: I think the problem with controllers for me is that I see them and I think, God, that's a brilliant idea. So I bought one for Duran Duran, one of those great big... um, What are they called? Digi-design desk Icon or something. And actually... And then I never touched the damn thing. I, the only thing I used it for was the Focusrite mic preamps, which are kind of okay. Um, <laughs> and then I buy those, you know, I buy those little things, and then they always end up in boxes around my house, and I end up doing it with a mouse on the laptop screen. And I think the only thing I use that has got controls on it uh, is the pod. And because the controls are dedicated to doing things on the panel, and I can play the guitar and just reach over and grab it and change the middle, the thing or i can i flick through the amp models on the original pod that to me makes sense so if, if and the and the reason i use it is because the controls are attached to the thing that's doing the thing right and i think as soon as you separate the thing that's doing the controlling from the the computer so if, if this is a plug and it's a controller that goes with a plug that's it's just something I'm never going to set up. It would be in a box underneath my sofa and I'd probably be using the nice sounding plug-in with the
0: mouse. It just... I don't no, know. I think that's, that's fair enough. I, I just, it, the thing that struck me about it was, you know, that combined with a large fader bank, if you were into the console way of working but didn't want a full console, you know, you could use it in a, a number of different ways. But I, think, I can understand. I,
2: if, it you, if it forced you to route the audio through the actual physical unit so that maybe I had uh, eight outputs, or maybe I plugged the USB into the side of my computer or the FireWire and the, the the audio goes off down the USB and into the box and does some clever DSP in the box and then spits it back into the computer. So if it's actually tied to the, you know, if the functionality of it is tied to, to its right. processing hard uh, hardware, then it makes sense because you'd want to plug it in. You'd go, oh, hang on, <laughs> I want that set." I'm going to plug that thing in to get that sound. Right. Okay. But if it's just controlling a plug-in, I just I think, me personally, it would be under the sofa or in a
1: or leaning against the wall <laughs> at the back of the studio or just you know.
0: As Rich often puts it, the doorstop. Uh, takes yeah.
1: Too long to plug it, it in. Could be a doorstop to the future Hall of Fame
0: candidate. It could be. But exactly.
1: Yeah. If it could be demonstrated to sh- to make your stuff sound better, that would be a reason to put up with it.
0: Right. Okay. So it's a hindrance-
1: but only if it
2: but only if but if I can unplug it from my computer and my computer's still running the software that makes the thing sound better. Well, maybe what they what, what, what the they need shop. to do is direct.
0: They need to direct the marketing that just says yes, the audio goes through it, and just leave it at that. And then you'll have to use it because you think that the audio goes through it, even if it doesn't. <laughs> well,
2: maybe or maybe they turn it into a dongle based thing, and the plug-in absolutely won't work without it. I don't but think. Like, yeah, somebody... I
0: don't think that's the case. No, that'll be popular. Yeah, that would be pub. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, Adam, have you, have you have you never kind of uh, thought actually? Yeah, I'll try that. I mean, have you have you been down the controller route and just thought and tried it and just gone? Yeah, it's not for me. Or just as it never. Really fit, featured in your kind of idea of how you want your studio to set up it
3: hasn't really crossed my mind. Ugh. To be, honest. I don't really, I don't really get that excited about. It. Ooh. I've got, I've, oh, i it's
0: all right. On? I got it.
3: <clears throat> I've got um, what I need to 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 realise what I want to do. So, right, I don't really. I don't really, if it's not broke, I don't
0: think that's fixed. There's a lesson there for us all, I think, because, I mean, we all think, you know, I mean, particularly in the creative industry, you know, sometimes it's the magic bullet approach. Is like, get this, and your life will be better, and you'll get the girls, and you'll have the hit records, when, in fact, you know, it's really just down to what's in your head a lot of the time.
3: Well, yeah. in the 90s, because my success came very quickly. I knew how to use the N-Sonic, and I knew how to use the 909 drum machine because he told me, Mark. Hey,
2: me. I bought
3: his 909 basically and he showed me how to program it. And then I, another guy, Jimmy Polo, showed me how to program the N-Sonic and I learned those bits of kit really well. And then because I, I got a record deal so quick, I was going in these expensive studios, which was a complete waste of time and money. I, I now see retrospectively and, and then employing people to program for me. And I found it all intimidating. And because I was like busy doing PR and partying and stuff, I, I didn't really keep up with the, uh, you know, the way ev- everything was moving right. forward. And I, so I, my, my friend, Layla, who's um, a producer that works with um, Bjork and people like that, she, um, she used to call me a white gloves pussy producer because I, <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just sat on this sofa at the back of the studio saying, can you sample that for me and can you do this? Unless it was like, you know, programming in a line on the end sonic I, I didn't know how to do anything because I was kind of spoiled by always being able to afford to have people do that for me. But then when it got to the point when I couldn't, my friend Layla kind of bullied me into getting a laptop and becoming hands on again.
0: And did you, did, did uh, you find that that kind of gave you, you know, did, was that liberating or was it a, a pain I in was the ass?
3: Really, really liberating. I mean, I, I, I was like, Oh my God. Cause I, I had bought like loads of bits of gear throughout the '90s and thought, right, I'm going to sit down with the manuals and learn this, and I'd then find it all overwhelming, and it would just sit there getting covered in dust, and I'd sell it for a third of the price. <laughs> um, but um, so I thought, oh no, I'm you know I'm going to get a laptop, and I'm going to get all this stuff, and I'll never get my head round it. But my friend Layla. Sort of, yeah.
0: so what what i'm I'm curious so was it logic just by default or was there something that drew you to that was it
3: it was just all the people that i knew that made music who i could ask how do you do this and how do you do that they all use logic so it just was logical
0: yeah yeah very um, good
3: um yeah also um ed Hanley from the group plaid yeah he helped me a lot and just gave me the his like sound library that he'd spent 12 years um collecting he just gave me that and and like all this software and showed me how to do all these things and there was like really great support from great friends yeah really and and then then as we were talking about before the freedom of being able to work on mixes on a train or or anywhere you know my my thing that i'm doing now that began in venezuela and you know in a, in a island and venezuela sure.
0: you were able to do that just by being yeah because it, it freed you up yeah just by carrying a little bag with me like well yeah that you know, is very
3: years ago i was just wasting thousands of pounds that the record you know you owe the record company and and, uh, you know, I'd, I, I, like, turn up, I'd book a studio from 11 in the morning and turn up at 5 in the evening and, and they the Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the engineers were going, you realise you're having to pay for all this? So I just just couldn't get my head round it. And that, that thing about, you know, consoles and things, I mean, whenever girls used to come into the studio they always used to say, do you know what all those buttons do? That's
0: the line, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And I, and did you say yes? No, I didn't, <laughs>
3: I didn't lie. I just you know he does. And then just sit at the back of the room and take drugs
0: or something. <laughs> or something. Um, there's one other thing that I wanted to cover quickly, um, because this is just a really interesting piece of stuff. this is, a, this is something called din is noise. And this is one of the videos that the chap, uh, um, uh, Jack Sampath has uh, put together.
5: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your Captain Jack Sampath back on the flight deck in his noise 12.0, work in progress from Chennai, India. So in 12.0, you're going to be able to morph between uh, waveforms, so transform one waveform into the other, and the timbre of the sound will change as you morph. Yeah? So in preparation for that... This is uh, just
0: so hypnotic. I'm going to fast forward it a little bit because he's adding extra harmonics and just see what happens to the way the interface changes. It is absolutely. Let's see if I just fast forward it a bit. There we go.
5: What is going to demonstrate the morphing? Yeah. So this is a circle now. there's too much background noise. I mean, there's like tuk tuks, buses, cars. He's in
0: China and India.
5: <laughs> Motorbike ceiling fans washing machines, you name it. This is India, okay? Anyhow, the work goes on, work goes on, okay? So, um, so basically you have, uh, uh, so I've turned the make shape form on and you have the circle. Now, if I add harmonics, this circle will shape will change and that will change the timbre of the sound. So, and that's what I wanted to show you. So, it's kind of you're morphing the circle into other shapes, into other circular shapes because the harmonics always produce a very circular shape.
0: Okay. Uh... i'm gonna fast forward it because he's uh quite ah here we go i don't know about you I mean, there, there's there's a lot of this video and this is a this is basically a, a package called dinner's noise It's a kind of sound creation and alternative it's it's kind of like a synthesizer but it's very uh, unique gooey and just just that that interface there. I was just sitting here watching it for for about an hour yesterday because it was just so hypnotic. I don't know how it's going to going to work in terms of um, in in terms of actual music production and that sort of thing. But it's tied together with all sorts of kind of gravitational drone-like creation and the fact that you can change and morph these uh, waveforms in such a visual way i just found that absolutely him i don't know what you think about this rich i mean i know practicality is uh, is something that one has to bear in mind in many of these situations but wasn't that did what did you think did you get a chance to look at some of this stuff
1: Not only did I look at it, I downloaded it and played with it. Ah,
0: did you get... Because I just couldn't get my head around it. I didn't have time to actually kind of...
1: I got my head around probably 5% of it. Um, Certainly not much of what he was showing in those videos, which is very interesting to me. It's an extremely academic sort of an environment and not terribly gooey driven in the extreme. So... um, It's conceptually very interesting, and I enjoyed messing about with it, and I think I would enjoy messing about with it in the same way that I used to enjoy messing about, say, with Medicenth. Not that I'm comparing the two, because they do very different things, but just in terms of the way I would interact with it and how it might end up in my workflow. In the case of MetaSynth, the only thing that ever happened was I'd create these really, really interesting sounds and then make samples of them and then wait for an opportunity to use them which is often has not never arrived. But um, in this thing... That sounds familiar. But it's true. And, and I see my interaction with this thing going along those same lines. It's not something you necessarily want to open up in the middle of a session with a bunch of artists hanging around the control room waiting for you to produce something useful.
0: Yes, I could yeah, understand. But I'd like to
1: be shown I'm wrong about that, but I just didn't see any place where, you know, there was some massive list of very interesting presets that would apply to a whole bunch of potential situations which is what most guys provide with their extremely deep instrument these days
0: yes i would totally i would totally agree with that and then mark i get the impression that maybe uh the tinley mindset of uh, numbers and ge- geometric shapes and stuff this might appeal to you more
2: it- yeah definitely i mean i love working out all those weird number things and trying to figure out like what the relationships between things are like um i've i just created a uh, I've got six. that little Korg talking about things that control things. I've got one of those little Korg nano pads with 16 pads on it. And I've just created a sound bank with the Fibonacci sequence on it, which is... Uh, but I worked out all the frequencies that the Fibonacci sequence creates as you go from 1 plus 2 equals 2 plus and how that works. So that it creates these... Is it one point six one eight zero three three nine nine, and then you work out the difference between the next frequency. So I've got sort of sixteen frequencies, and I've done that. Um, and I'll sit there for I could sit I could sit for days <laughs> sitting fiddling around with these things. But then at the end of it, you do have to ask yourself: Is this musical, and would anyone listen to it? And the answer to that is nearly always no. So it's very much a, a sort of a self gratification kind of like thing. Although having said that, the graphics on this are really good. And I could imagine maybe I could, uh, when I move house to our new house, I'm going to have a sort of a little sound experiments room. And I was thinking about having maybe a Reiki couch in there and getting people around and they'd lie on this couch. So I could have the thing, you know, making those shapes above them on a screen and they could look up at that and then they could hear the sound it was making. Oh, right, so it's Sort of that, mood generator. You know, to, yeah, and then I could do a therapy, and then I could say, "And you are now relaxed, and, <laughs> and you might well stuff, be." It? It's it's he's, yeah. So for ambient kind of yeah, uh, for ambient kind of things, and those kind of things where you get like, the self hypnosis tapes or something with some kind of it's you don't want the music to do anything too jarring to the person while they're under, you know, out or whatever. Uh, it might work really well for that to create some of those ambient kind of moodscape things but yeah it's, it, um, it is ve- i mean like, anything else
0: as, as rich said it's very scientific it does have midi input um this is something that, that uh, the guy jag Sampa is really interesting bloke he tore he he's basically he's a math he's a mathematical yeah tour, he tours <laughs> talking about uh physics and maths and music and the way that all these things relate i mean he's uh it's his first and probably last uh, audio project. Uh, originally, he's from the field of computer graphics, animation, film, games, and he's interesting using Bezier curves and all aspects of computer audio th- synthesis, as he hasn't he felt it hasn't uh, been fully explored. It feels like it's a kind of it's it's a stop on the way to somewhere else. And I think part of some of the things that he's visualized are really truly amazing, and that's something that's quite interesting. I mean, do you, uh, Adam? You're you're you know you're working very much in software. I mean, do you how do you feel about sort of generative those sort of generative Uh, type uh, packages which will help let you explore textures and and that sort of things you prefer to kind of hit a note and have something happen or are you happy to
3: yeah i just like to get straight to the point really (laughs) i mean looked very nice and um i just don't find i have enough hours in the day to i I, you know i like i just i like beats and melodies right instant gratification I, i guess i'm old fashioned like that and
0: uh yeah uh, no i i can I could totally understand that i mean this is a one of those things that would be a bit of a time sink, mm.
3: I mean, I suppose I used to sit and play on the piano every day for hours and hours um and things would come out of that, so I suppose the same thing could apply to like that, but uh I just I don't do that either anymore. Right. Sit and play the piano for hours and hours. I just I like to get I I have a lot of ideas happening a lot all the time and I just like to just get in there and make things.
0: Oh, I can understand that. Uh, Mm. For those who are interested, though, uh, if you go to uh, dinisnoise.org, you can download. There's there's a free version, which I'm guessing is what Rich downloaded. The interesting thing is also it's available as uh, Mac, Windows, and Linux as well, Uh, and also... um, it's like twenty bucks for if you want to buy the thing and you get the download. I, I've got the download and I'm going to. I hope to enjoy it a little bit and, and explore it. But I like the idea of having that thing just running, you know, because it, it's just so, it's, it's almost like the the kind of fish tank screensaver or the open fire, you know, that some people put on a screen in the back of a studio just to give it that sort of atmosphere. And this yeah. thing, it just it's very beautiful. I mean, a beautiful mathematics is not a not a bad concept, I guess, but perhaps as an instrument at the moment, it it, it probably would require a bit of um it's more challenging and i think he does say you know you know the workflow is din's weak point you know and that is but he's just released a version 13 so i mean he's done a lot of work this has been in development over eight years i don't know if it's a full-time thing or whether it's just something that he's kind of dipped in and out of because i guess he's obviously able to do uh, other stuff as well but very beautiful and um uh, i wanted to thank because uh it was uh, let me say it was uh eric cole Eric Luriculo, who uh, sent me that link and said I'll check it out because we were talking about um, unusual synthesizers and maybe alternative ways of doing it. Anyway, I think this is probably a good time to... um to sign off because uh we've uh, we've been chatting for ages and it's been great fun and uh, i want to say thank you very much and i've run out of things to say but uh we do try and keep the show to around about an hour and we're at hour 15 already so uh thank you very much everybody Uh, i want to say thanks to everybody in the chat room for joining us uh been there and uh, plenty of people there uh having a chat away so uh, please do check out the if you've missed the live stream i guess there's no point in me saying this because uh you, will, you won't you will be watching this either. But if you didn't see the live stream, you're just watching this. We do stream live every Wednesday, 4 p.m. UK time, sonicstate.com forward slash live. That's the time and the place for Sonic Talk. So, Rich, I'll come to you. I'll say thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I shall expect to hear your uh, dinner's noise masterpiece perhaps uh, by next week, if that's all right. <laughs>
1: It might take a few years, but uh, I'm working on it.
0: Okay, excellent. But thank you very much for joining us, Rich. Uh, I'm guessing uh, off to the studio now to whack some more hotties, as I'm fond of saying.
1: Gosh, I hope so.
0: <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Rich. And also I will say thank you very much to Mark Tinley, who's there in Glastonbury. Um, and I do, do check out the uh, dinner's noise thing. I think you might find it kind of fun as well.
2: I am. I tried to download it and it just wouldn't run because Windows Explorer is not very good. And it jammed my whole machine up, but it's not anything <laughs> to do with that program. It's, I need to find an alternative to Windows Explorer,
0: I think, for this particular machine. It just doesn't, doesn't agree with you yeah okay doesn't agree with me no well mark thanks very much um, for setting this up anyway. no, you're very welcome and also um for yeah. for bringing uh, uh adam into the fold and i've always wanted to have a chat with you adam so thank you very much for joining us too. wish you the best of luck with the project well, not the project the the three four direction that your life has now taken and so give us a, an idea what's the names the dates the titles you know what's coming up that people should look at where should people look for your stuff
3: okay well the ep that is called this is three step And uh, it's under my name, Adamski, uh, on Future Waltz, and it's only going to be available online. And then, uh, and I've just got an email saying it's been put back to the fifteenth of December. Yeah, I just said the first earlier on, but um, um, uh,
0: so people will be able to get it as a, a digital download.
3: Yeah, and then in in February there'll be like vinyl and cds and stuff available and a lot more stuff I mean, it's all mastered and ready to go and in manufacture
0: all oh, right are you going to tour it are you going to do, be doing more gigs <laughs> if anyone will book me i'm sure they will
3: um, i just t- can kind of yeah take things I, ha- I have just got an agent who's really enthusing about what i'm doing and apparently he's really good so um i'm uh I'm yeah looking forward to. I've I've got a few bits and bobs coming up, and um, going to do something in Berlin in a couple of weeks, and in London and.
0: Excellent. So, just, will people be able to yeah. f- people be able to find that information on the AdamskiOfficial.com? dot com? Um, that will all that stuff be up there?
3: Uh, if someone puts it up there for me, because I never remember to do anything <laughs> like that. That's um,
0: a job for your agent. Get him on the case yeah. or her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway adam thank you very much for joining us uh that is sonic talk obviously do, don't forget if you're uh wanted to enter the competition we also have uh the giveaway from isotope remember i'll just a real reminder there if you want to win isotope ozone 6 tweet smarter mixed decisions to at sonic Nick, at isotopes uh inc and uh you will be entered in the chance to win isotopes ozone 6 and watch out tomorrow because i think there is is tomorrow thursday yeah tomorrow there's going to be some more exciting news from isotope we got something ready to go that we filmed yesterday uh so anyway that's it for sonic talk number 383 and um see you later thanks a lot
5: yeah thanks